For Cybercrime Radio, I'm Scott Schober. Joining me today is Lisa Gibson, a cybercrime victim who suffered an AI phone scam. Hey, Lisa, great to have you here. Thanks for uh, joining me for this segment. Thanks for having me. Maybe tell us a little bit, Lisa, to set the stage. You were a target of a voice clone scam using artificial intelligence. Maybe you could kind of step our listeners through. What did you experience? One weekend, I was cooking in the kitchen, making some lunch, and I had an alert on my Apple Watch that said an incumbent. There was an incoming call, and it had said unknown number, so I never answer those, so I just let it go. Two or three minutes later, the same thing had happened, and I got the same unknown caller. And I thought, oh, geez, you know, because I have two young adult children, 19 and 21, and both of my children are in the military. So, and so I thought, they're using a friend's phone, something along those lines if something's up. So I probably better pick this up because generally you don't see him come back to back like that. So I picked up the phone, what I thought was my oldest son. As soon as I picked up the phone, I, I heard his voice and he says, Mom, it's me. He used his name. He was crying and he said, I please don't be upset. I've been in an accident. So I'm not upset. You know, are you okay? You know, and I instantly went into a bit of a panic because here I am, you know, it's an unknown number. I have no idea where he's at. So he proceeded to tell me that he had been in an accident and he had hit a woman that was pregnant and he was hurt pretty bad. She was being transported to a hospital and he was using a police officer's phone. All those things kind of tracked. I thought, yeah, it's an unknown number. Of course, you're using somebody else's phone. So I'm thinking in the impact, his phone was injured, you know, damaged or, you know, whatever. So he told me a little bit more. He said his face was hurt pretty bad from the impact of the airbags and that he needed to be treated. And a lawyer would be calling me to let me know the rest of the details and tell me what I needed to do. At which point, this particular kid of mine happens to be military police. And so he has a lot of mannerisms about himself that are easily recognizable by me, you know, as his mom. So I asked him a couple questions, nothing personal, how he was doing, what's going on. He says that he's going to be held in jail until I can get in contact with the lawyer and everything. The lawyer would be calling me and he said, well, I have a case number for you. So he gave me the case number and they said, mom, can you read that back to me? Which is 100% something my own kid would say. So I said, okay. So I read the case number back to him. He's like, I got to go. And I heard another voice in the background and he says, officer, I... I'm on the phone with my mom. I'll I'll be right off the phone. And so he's like, well, I got to go. Just answer the phone when the lawyer calls. And I said, okay. So I hung up the phone and it was probably about 15 minutes later. Well, at that point, I called my husband at work in an absolute panic because he's a thousand miles away. And I even said, I'm like, you got to come home. He's been in an accident. I just, I need you home. I don't know what we're going to do next. So meanwhile, the so-called attorney called and had the case number and was like, okay, can you verify that? And I said, yeah, that's right. So he said, well, I can give you some more details of the accident. Your son ran a red light and hit a woman who's pregnant. They've been transported. We don't have a status on how that's going right now, but he did run the red light. He said there's a camera at that intersection, so we should be able to get details of that. He said, The reason why your son is being held is two reasons. He said, number one, the woman indicated that your son tried to leave the scene of the accident after it happened. And he said, again, with the cameras, 
we're going to be able to get to the bottom of that. But number two, your son failed the breathalyzer test. (laughs) Now my head is really spinning. It was earlier in the morning where he's at, but it didn't strike me too crazy because I know he works some nights, some days, you know, whatever. I thought, well, yeah, I don't know what happened, you know, what shift he's on or whatever today, but my son's not a drinker. But in the same token, I thought, well, gosh, if he had one, (laughs) it is possible. And he's going to be 21 in a few weeks. So it's not unheard of. (laughs) But anyway, so I thought, oh, geez, okay. And I certainly don't think that he would have been drinking and driving. But the lawyer said, well, your son did say that he has not been feeling well and he had taken some cough syrup. And he said, and it is true that on occasion that can throw a breathalyzer off. I mean, that's... (laughs) You know, I Google that. Yes, that's slim chance, but possible. And he said, but your son did do the right thing. And he requested that they do a blood test on site. So again, right there, I'm thinking, okay, my son's trained as a military police officer. And if he knew for a fact that he had not been drinking, he would absolutely say, I want the blood test. So a lot of things were absolutely pointing to this is my son. Like, this is legit. There was so much information being given that tracked. And that's the part that I think is so fascinating as you're telling this incredible story and scary story at the same time, I should say, because I'm a parent and I'm trying to understand and relate the emotional ride that you're kind of reasoning as you step through these things. It starts to get more and more concerning. Like This is real. My son could be hurt or he could end up in jail or get sued or who knows. You kind of ride out the emotional train, as they say. I think it's interesting as you're describing these things, too, there's a couple tells from a a technological standpoint. You kind of analyze and say, at what point does it become credible? And a lot of times, at least with voice cloning, it's the actual quality of the technology. And I think it was interesting. You mentioned that it sounded like your son, even some of the maybe the mannerisms, and they can effectively look at speech patterns or pitch or tone, the, the little things in a person's voice that could be replicated And that's kind of check the box number one. It sounds like they kind of achieved that. The familiarity of the listener that you hear at the other end, it sounded convincing from what you're saying there. It sounded like, yeah, this is your son. It's a close family member. I can recognize his voice. You're the mom. You're going to know better probably than anyone else in the family, right? Right. And my son and I, I mean, we talk every day, every other day, sometimes for up to an hour, you know, so over the phone. Even then, it's not somebody that I only talk to in person and they can sound different on a phone or vice versa. And again, the repeating of the case number, the getting the blood test done because he knows he hadn't been drinking. And I know my son, his personality, he doesn't drink. So some of those little things like that really had me convinced that would be how it would play out if, in fact, it was true. How about the emotional context? That's interesting also when you think about it, because Emotional context can certainly play a role in how convinced that familiar voice is. You mentioned that he ran a red light, that potentially was drinking. All these other things were brought to your attention. It's a pregnant woman. You start thinking about maybe the baby. It heightens the level of urgency or an emergency, urgent request, and makes the impersonation sound more convincing. How did it make, from your standpoint emotionally, how did it make you feel hearing that? I mean, once I hung up the phone with him, I was sobbing. I was almost inconsolably crying because being a mom and hearing my son crying, begging me for help, and he's injured and I cannot get to him. Again, a thousand miles away. 
I have a very big village of friends and, and family. So I called one friend. I had her looking for airfare. My husband's on his way home. I'm starting to line people up and get ready to pack bags, take a trip, do what I need to do to get through this situation. So I definitely at that point was not thinking clearly. Luckily, again, my husband came home about a half an hour into it and started asking some questions that like in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, I should have asked that right out of the gate. For example, he has a motorcycle and a car. He's like, well, which was he driving? I'm like, oh, yeah. He didn't say. (laughs) So there's... (laughs) Hindsight, you think about, I could have asked this or whatever, but... Right. So it it did, it took a while when the the lawyer called back, he said he was going to see what he could do about the money situation and the smallest amount that they would possibly take on a cash bond. They said that they were holding him on a $100,000 bond again because the woman had said that he had fled or was trying to flee. So... He ended up calling back and he said that they would end up taking $5,000 cash. And here I'm thinking this man's being very helpful. He's telling me that there's cameras and we're going to be able to get the camera footage. He's telling me that my son requested the blood test because he failed the breathalyzer. So this man is being super helpful to me. He's your friend. And one of He's my friend, right? Exactly. <laughs> and the big red flag in hindsight was then he said, after I said, we don't have that kind of money. He said, do you have a credit card that you would be able to get an advance on? Which, of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But I even said to him, I go, oh, my gosh. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that, I wasn't thinking that. I'm literally just thinking, you know, I don't have $5,000 in my purse. So to me, that was a help. I mean, I think if he would have said Apple gift cards, that would have been a, <laughs> Maybe another, the, a red the flag might have gone right, up. Yeah. Right, right. Because you do, you hear about these scams all the time. You think you're prepared to find those red flags. But I mean, I was completely blindsided, even when he said, do you have a credit card that you could get a cash advance on? But he did also tell me that if I could get the cash, that they would be sending a court-appointed courier to my house to pick it up. And he said, this court-appointed courier will have all the documentation that you need to sign and it'll have all the receipts available to show that you paid everything's gonna you know in the digital world that's absolutely possible i mean i'm sure it's no different than doordash to get court appointed couriers from one state to another to pick up legal documents and things so again no red flags i'm fully expecting to get receipts and everything else you know so that just furthered my belief in what they were telling me. How about your husband? Because you mentioned he came home sometime later, half hour later or so, and the lawyer called back. I don't know if he was there present for the second round of calls or... No, both calls took place before he got home. Okay. So when you describe this series of events as it unfolded and your reaction, how did he react? I guess you were convinced enough to share and it was credible to him and he said, okay, let's do this together and figure this out kind of thing? Oh, for sure. He also got online, was looking at some flights to see, you know, how fast we could get to him. And because I said, I know it's true because I talked to him. There's so many scams where you hear, oh, an adult called and said that they were representing somebody or whatever, but they never talked to the actual individual. I did. I spoke to my son. So he was fully on board. But then, like I said, he would ask a couple little questions like, so what city, like, that he'd be going to which station. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even ask, you know, so 
there were a lot of little things where when he would then ask me like, well, oh, you, d- you didn't ask him? I'm like, no, he said he had to go. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many holes that my anxiety and, and my panic just did not allow me to fill in in real time. Then again, I guess from my perspective, hearing this from your vantage point, you're a caring mom. You asked the right questions. You did the right things. Your husband did the right things. That's what hopefully any any loving parent would do to take care of their child. You're not going to ask a lot of other questions and you're not going to be focusing on, is this a scam or anything? Because all the boxes were checked. It did sound very familiar there was an emotional context. I think just hearing the credibility of your son's voice and the fact that you talk to him regularly, it really is very convincing. And I think that's part of the problem why so many people do take it to the next level and fall victim to these type of scams. Because if this doesn't work, they have a curveball or something else to give you a little pressure or answer a question a little bit different. It's very well scripted at their end and planned ahead, which makes it hard because they have all the answers and they befriend you and they're there to help you and confirmation numbers, everything that you said really does make it difficult to discern. So what happens now at this next stage, this junction that you're at with yourself and your husband and trying to plan flights and what do we do? And Well, I told my husband, I said, just keep looking at flights, figure something out. I said, I'm going to go jump in the shower so I can get off to the bank. He says, all right. So I jumped in the shower and within a couple minutes, my son called from his own phone and I have a specific ringtone for each of my children on emergency breakthrough. Because again, with them being in the military, if they have a chance to call, then I don't care where I'm at, I'm taking it. So the emergency breakthrough comes through. It's my son's ringtone. And I scream, you know, out of the bathroom, you know, grab my phone. (laughs) (laughs) And so my husband comes running into the bathroom and puts him on speaker right away and says, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And my son said, what are you talking about? Am I okay? I just woke up. What goes through your mind at this moment now? Right. Well, my comment to him was not exactly uh, radio approved um, (laughs) and is is now on a police report. But I, I basically said, are you effing kidding me is what I said to him because I was just in absolute shock. And he was like, did you get a call, mom? And I said, yes, I got a call. And I tried to explain to him what this call was about. I said, I got a call that you were in an accident. And he's like, no, I'm sleeping. I worked last night. I'm I'm in bed. (laughs) Yeah. And what had actually happened was in the midst of all that, I had called his girlfriend, who actually lives in yet another state, (laughs) And said, I don't know what's going on yet, but I believe that he has been in an accident. I'll let you know more when I hear more. We're looking at getting flights. I don't know what's going on, but I'm sure she heard the panic in my voice and, you know, became concerned. So she called a friend of his that's on base with him and said, what's going on? I heard he was in an accident. And his friend's like, what are you talking about? So then, you know, if anyone knows the military, they got the supervisor involved. They went knocking on my son's door. To find out if he was even there, because now they're getting reports that one of their soldiers is in an accident and in legal trouble. So he got woken up to his supervisors pounding on his door. That's why he called us. Had he not called, we would have been knocking on his door (laughs) after having just been scammed of some extra money. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And then at that point, he then had to 
jumped through quite a few hoops to prove that he had not been in an accident. He had to have his vehicles inspected and all kinds of stuff due to this. But hearing his voice again was, after all that trauma, it was almost even confusing to me because I'm like, no, I, like, how are you okay? Because I just talked to you a half an hour ago and you were not okay. A good personal friend of ours is a local police officer in our city. And I, I called him and I said, hey, I got to tell you what's happening right now. So I told him the whole story. Actually, I had called. He said he'd have to call me back because he was in the middle of something. In the meantime, I needed to keep things alive because I didn't know if my local police department would need anything or be able to do anything about what was happening. So I did get another call from the person that was saying that they were my son. And at this point, I already had talked to my son. I know he's fine. I know it's a scam, but I had to keep it going in case our local police department could do anything. And the same thing, like I picked up the phone and he says, mom, it's me. Did you talk to the lawyer yet? And I said, I did. And he says, are you able to help? And I said, of course I am. You know, I just, you know, the bank's not close. <laughs> you know, now I'm starting to pull, you know. Now you're scamming the scammer. Good job, Lisa. No, exactly, right? I'm like, you know, the bank's not close. You got to give me time. It's going to take me a couple hours. And, uh, you know, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're able to help. I said, yes, I'm able to help. So then we got off the phone again. And then I was able to talk to my friend who's an officer. And he assured me, he said, no, he says, this happens more often than we care to think. He said, you know, they're always going to say, not always, but they're going to say they have an injury to their face because now if the voice is off a little bit, you're thinking, well, yeah, broken nose or if your, you know, jaws hurt or whatever. And he was telling me all these little triggers that they do in order to trick your mind. If you do think something's off to be able to push that away. Well, his voice is off a little bit, but yeah, his jaw hurts. He's got a broken nose. But even the second time I talked to this person, I cannot believe how exact that voice was. It's so eerie. Really, something you only think of in movies. It's so convincing. I think I've heard a, a number of people that have had similar types of scams and things. And one thing I know I, I've even shared with people that, uh, and you, you guys may have even talked about this, that it's good to have a, a code word even to say, and hopefully you never deal with this again. <laughs> But if so, that's, that's always an effective little tip I like to share with people that at least if a, if a code word is shared and, and they don't respond with that code word, hang up that phone, end of conversation to at least give you a little bit of peace of mind. Because otherwise, it's, it, it's a very difficult thing to determine when emotions come into play, especially the familiarity of that voice, like you said, sounds so convincing. It could really make it difficult. So... Hopefully, have you gotten any calls following this whole mess after it all, all went down from the scammers? No. Okay, good. No. And when the so-called lawyer called back, I had a few words for him, and uh, <laughs> that was the end of it. But yeah, we had a code word when the kids were little. Same thing. You know, if somebody comes and says, mom's not picking you up today from school because she's not feeling well, you're not going unless they give you the code word. I don't care if it's my best friend. So we've always been an extremely cautious family. My son has wanted to go into law enforcement since he could crawl. And so it's always kind of been integrated, those kinds of things. We have quite a few friends and family members that are in law enforcement. So 
we always heard these little tips and tricks and, and, you know, same thing with these scams, you know, I've always heard about the grandparents getting scammed with the same thing. These phone calls, Hey grandma, it's me. Um, I'm, I'm in trouble, but I could always explain it away. Like grandparents don't talk to their grandkids, you know, every single day and their hearing is less than it once was. And here I am. It happened to me. So, <laughs> well, at least uh, I think for our listeners, they could appreciate your, your, you and your husband are caring, loving parents. It sounded very convincing, and certainly it's, it's a, a, a lesson that, that you guys have learned, and hopefully many listeners also will uh, try to keep in mind some of these things so they're not duped as well. So I really appreciate that. And I have been surprised how many people have told me after I shared my story it was my officer friend that asked me, he's like, will you please put that out there because it's getting worse. And so many people have come to me and said, same thing happened to us. I've had friends saying our family instituted the code word again because of what you guys went through. So if you keep it from happening to a few people, that's... <laughs> Makes a world of difference and keeps everybody safer. It truly does. Thanks again, Lisa. Thank you. For Cybercrime Radio, again, I'm Scott Schober. Joining me today was Lisa Gibson, a cybercrime victim who suffered an AI phone scam. To listen to all of our podcasts, visit cybercrime.radio.